Family podcast. Joining me this week, Carol Hayward from Surrey. Hello there. Rob Wills from Ply- Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> and making his debut, Guy Jenks from Warwickshire. Good evening. How are you? Since we recorded the last podcast on Monday evening, news of Dave Mackay's passing away um, came out, um, and um, Dave was. Dave was a Spurs great. The, the term great is um, often too widely used, but, but in the case of um, Dave Mackay, he, he really was a great player. Um, Bill Nichol- Nicholson famously described him as his best signing, um, and when he went on to play for Derby County, Brian Clough also, great Brian Clough also said the same of Dave Mackay. Um, as well as winning a league title, two FA Cups and a Cup of Cup with us when he, he when he moved on to Derby in 1968 he was named Joint Footballer of the Year and the following season helped them win promotion. He returned to Derby in 1973, um, taking over from Clough and led them to the league title in 75. Now I, like many others, wasn't fortunate enough to see Dave Mackay play. All I've got is little video clips here and there, and but the countless anecdotes that you hear from football managers. Um, so Alex Ferguson, for instance, for instance, most recently just said of Mackay that he would captain him. He would have Mackay as his captain in his dream all-time t- all Scotland eleven. Um, and not just people in the game, fans um, have always spoken highly of Mackay. So rest in peace. God bless absolutely. you, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Legend. Unfortunately, I wasn't around to see him, but it must have been fantastic. I never actually saw him play either, but uh, I remember when I first started following Spurs as a young kid, he was already involved with Derby, and obviously he went on to make a fantastic name for himself at Derby, and it was only later when I actually realised that he'd actually made that name prior to his time at Derby, with his, with his, obviously his career at Spurs. Yeah. Oh, are you old? I'm very, very old, Rob. Very old. <laughs> I was wearing the long shorts the first time they came round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're living with a Derby fan, and we've got a, a joint mutual um, bit of love going on this week for Dave Mackay. So, R.I.P. Yeah, tragic, tragic. He came, he came across as a lovely older man as well, and I've seen him, clips of him this week. He seemed like a really lovely chap, didn't he? Yeah, there was, there was a very, sorry, there was a very interesting, um, it's on Sky Plus or whatever it's called, Sky Demand. There was an interview with Brian Moore. And um, I think, to be fair, when I watched it, I think it was taken. It was in, the interview was conducted some years back, probably you know, ten, fifteen years back. But Mackay came across as the type of fellow that perhaps wasn't comfortable in front of cameras, and he mm. seemed to, he seemed to need coaxing a little bit to give his anecdotes and his stories. But yeah, he was a, he was an absolutely top man and a top player, very unassuming type of fella. I'll have a look for that when I go downstairs. Because hmm. I got Sky. Good. Well worth a lot. So today's game, um, it was it was a game in hand, and always with, with Spurs, I'm nervous when we have a game in hand. But um, 
we got the three points. Um, Guy, what was your take on the game? Uh, in all fairness, I haven't seen any of it at all. I got one eye on it because I'd had a bet on it. Um, <laughs> both teams to score Spurs to win, believe it or not. So at that point, it was all going very well. But uh, Carol's husband's teams let me down, so I'll, I will hold that against him forevermore. <laughs> but no, um, from what I gather, it was. Uh, I, I saw the statistics, and it's interesting. It's a, a one point I'd pick up on, and it's actually something that I passed a comment on on Facebook this week. Um, and it concerns statistics, and I understand statistics can obviously be bent to, to shape anything that anybody wants to say. But I was in a pub watching the the the, uh, the cameras and the um, the updates coming up, and I saw it come up, and it said QPR had seventy percent. No, sorry, we Tottenham had had seventy percent of the possession. But QPR had seven shots on goal and we'd had one. And that was after something like about 25 minutes. And I actually turned to my son and I said, that, that is a prime example of how statistics can sort of be taken any way you want to take them. Mm. They'd had, we'd had the best of the play. We'd had more of the ball, but they'd had seven shots to our one. Yeah. So um, I remember I listened to the half-time update and the, I can't remember who it was, but the pundit was saying that we'd had the better of it. And I think the exact words he used were, they, Spurs may live to regret not taking the, making the most of the chances they'd got. Um, I'd actually yeah. say it's the other way around. They had a couple of chances that, uh, that they should have put away. We were kind of lucky to be nil-nil, I thought. Even though we had most of the possession, we looked the better team. Um, they had the chances, and um, Loris was far the busier keeper. Am I right, boys? Well, I missed the first half, so I, I can't really say much on the first. But... We, okay. did look, we, we didn't look like we were in any trouble, but I felt we had another gear to step up. But... Um, they had the chances, definitely. We say. played the first half. We played like the away team. I thought. I don't think we. I think we played badly, but we didn't do a great deal. They seemed to be threatening our goal a bit more. I think um, Austin had a chance and hit the hit the bar or came off on the underside of the bar. Um, and if I'm going to be honest, I thought that um, the first goal was a bit against the run of the play. Yeah, first for sure. Half. Yeah. Um, Second half, I think we were okay, and ironically, until we did score, and then I think maybe the last quarter of an hour or whatever it was, um, we seemed to take our foot, foot off the gas a bit. But then, having said that, I didn't think, even for all the possession that QPR did have, all the chances they did create, I don't think we were, ever felt threatened, really. Um, no. We played half, much. I, sorry. I was going to say, second half, I was ruining that bloody bar. When uh, Ericsson pinged it off the inside and come back out again, I thought, you bad person. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kane missed the follow-up, didn't he? Yeah. It a little bit. Yeah. I think that sums up that sums up basically the point I was I, I made about the um, statistics. And it, I mean, I didn't see any of the game, and I haven't seen any of the game. But the statistics alone suggested that we were comfortable first half, possession-wise. But then, as I say, that QPR had many more shots on goal, um, and then yeah, yeah, and from what you've said, second half, that is pretty much what the, the TV was saying. Um, it's interesting what Jarvid says. I think that's a, that's I don't know whether that's fans of other teams could say the same, but it seems to be a Spursy type thing. And I know that's a phrase we've coined recently, but Spurs seem to take a second goal lead, and you think it's comfortable, and then almost immediately concede. Mm. Um, and we end up hanging on for grim death in the last few minutes. And I'm, I mean, again, I'm led to believe the TV fellow was saying that uh, they really could have had a penalty late on. They should have had well, two they... penalties, actually. I haven't seen the replay, so, and my stream wasn't very good. Every time I, they showed a replay, it all kind of went all fuzzy. But um, it, uh, the definite handball, wasn't it, by Bentaleb, yeah, that... I think. 
Yeah, he, he definitely had his hands up. And he, knew, he knew what he was doing. Put his hands and the up. other chance guy was when, um, was it Austin was through, someone was through, and Lloris came running out and just made himself big, you know, like a great big giant star, yeah. and kind of like clipped him, but um, and then it was but cleared. Then, but You see, in, in my opinion, that's what a goalkeeper, one of his many jobs is to do, make him as big himself as big as possible and put the you know the opposition off if it happens to catch him then it catches him i didn't think it looked like a penalty rob you're right you know it's what goalkeepers do but i didn't think that looked a penalty but they seem to think um in the studio that it possibly was the stream that i was watching um clive allen clive allen was doing the commentary and uh clive allen didn't think it was a penalty so i I, i'm gonna go with what clive says is that the first one, Jarv, or the second one? Uh, the the one where Larice comes out the goal. Right, and the, the second one. Yeah. I think it was Latissia. I think it was Latissia. I think thinking about it, it was Matt Latissia. And right. it was again. It sums it up really because his first instinct on Sky was that it wasn't a penalty. And then he watched it back again. Obviously, we couldn't see it, but he watched it back again and completely changed his tune. And he said, "Well, yeah, that that almost certainly was a penalty." The no stream. Doubt. I was going to say the stream I was watching there. Uh, I could have swore one of the pundits said, oh, Mason wants to twat Henry. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody should. <laughs> that was funny, that was. Mm. Watch coming on the pitch and going, come on, Ryan, off you come, off you come. Don't do it. Don't oh. do it. <laughs> I thought um, second half was much better. We looked more up for it. I thought first half we could always could have stepped up another gear. I thought they were a bit lethargic. And a lot of comments I think I saw on the Facebook page were that it was just like a... a a, what do you call it? Sort of game. I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. <laughs> Edit that bit out, please. <laughs> like a Sunday league friendly game, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I did find um, one stat that that I didn't know, and that this is our ninth two-one victory this season. Yeah, we've yeah. picked a lot of them up. Yeah, definitely with late goals usually as well. Yeah. Stolen my thunder. I was, I was just about to say two-one to the Spurs. Another two-one to the Spurs. Um, a point that Zach from the Facebook page, Zach um, Gisnola made, uh, I'm going to read this now rather than deal with it in questions later only because it's, it links into what we've, what we've been saying. Um, apparently we've let in more goals than anyone else in the top four. Um, and he asks, are we too open? Will we learn to close games out? And that is a big concern, the fact that we, we you know, we've, we've won all these games 2-1, we, but we just can't seem to keep a clean sheet. I mean, I can't remember the last time that we kept a clean sheet this season. No. No, that's no, a good it's, point. It's a Definitely problem, I think. Yeah. I think the thing is, I mean, from a personal point, it 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 it's kind of must by the very point that you've raised that we've won those games two one. Um, but it, I, I think we'd all agree that the defence it, it it doesn't look the most solid of defences, and that's it's strange because Vertonghen on top form would walk into most teams. I know Walker has got his critics, but personally, I think he's you know I really rate the fellow. I think he's a he's a top player. Uh, Dyer looks very good. He's a young lad coming through, and of course, Larice is arguably the best in the world. I've got, I've, I've retained concerns about Rose, although I'd concede that he's certainly improved no end this season. Yeah. But when you look at when you look at them individually, they're all good players, and yet, as you say, we 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 seem to panic somewhat. You know, there are certain games when we look like a Sunday League team with a hacking clear and that sort of thing. But um, as it's I like say, that. It was like that first half today, really, for parts. I'd like to know what's happening with Kabul because uh, since that little uh, falling out spat between him and Poch, there's been no sign of him, has there? 
I think he's finished, in my opinion. It sounds to me like the story. I mean, I've heard. I'm sure we all have heard the same sort of rumours. But um, one of the things that I was hearing not so long back was that he was one of the three players that criticised Pochettino's double training sessions. Yeah. And in fact, and again, it, it is only ESA, so it might be a load of rubbish. But the three players that were named um, were Cabal, Kapue, and Lennon. And if that is the case, then obviously it's no no real surprise that Capu uh, and Kabul have not featured and Lennon's been shipped out but yeah. Yeah. again you know that's you hear, you hear 10 stories a week and mm. it might be a load it, of rubbish it, you know if, if uh, you, you, you can't really knock Pochettino's uh, training uh, style can you because it, it is working for us yeah for uh, sure absolutely absolutely I think that the, that the point there, I mean, I'd say that the, the proof is in the pudding there. At the end of the day, how many games have we won in those last five or six minutes? You know, which it, it, it may well end up being a fluke. Mm. But at, at this stage, you've got to take it as read that, you know, we are coming we are coming on stronger in the last 10, 15 minutes of games. I was going to say, it's not, just, it's not just the games that we win either. It, it, even the games that we lose, we are still playing 100%, trying to do 110% all throughout. Exactly. I don't think it can be a fluke because it's a new thing for us. We've never, we haven't played like that in years. So I think it is the training, the double training, because um, it's happening, isn't it? And it's, uh, if there's evidence of that, that they're playing for the whole 90 minutes, you know, not even looking tired, really. Yeah, that's Look, a good point. They looked a bit tired in the, in the cup game at Wembley, I thought. Yeah, but that was understandable given that we played on the Thursday. I know, and I'm not even and... sure if it was tiredness, actually. It just looked something despondent about the whole team I think. I, th- I think personally it's the occasion and I mean again I've, no, obviously I've never played anywhere near yeah. that level but to be honest it, it, it's almost psychological if you're winning a game 2-0 with 10 minutes left you've got extra legs but if you're losing and, and you pretty much know you're going to lose the game mm. it, it's difficult to keep going that extra couple of yards you know and I honestly think that's the case I mean it, it's worth pointing out I think that on the back of two you know terribly disappointing defeats where we, we didn't play disastrously but obviously didn't get a result in either of them we've come back and then we've won two more league games two difficult games at home to Swansea and then away to QPR who were battling for their lives mm-hmm. and we've pulled two victories out so you know whether that's fatigue uh, or rather sorry extra fitness as opposed mm-hmm. to fatigue I don't know but it, I think the lads deserve a credit where it's due they've come back they could easily have folded up but they've come back with two big victories and kept our season alive yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. And I think on the last podcast on Monday, we asked a question, or somebody asked a question, and we addressed it. Do, do, you know, do, do we as a side have the mental strength to bounce back? And and we and the proof in the pudding. We have. We've had two games. We won both of them. Um, and I mean, the only concern is the fact that we've conceded two goals on on Wednesday and another one today. Um, now, with that in mind, we've got United next Sunday at Old Trafford. Who are equally as shit as us in defence? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's, def, that's a definite both teams to score. <laughs> yeah, going to see a five-all coming up or something. <laughs> just, out of, just out of curiosity, guy, did you go into Coral to make that bet? William Hills. I've actually paid for William Hills kids to go through private school, and I bought them on in somewhere in Barbados <laughs> as well. I've, I've invested a lot of money in William Hills, and I'm still waiting for the returns. Yeah. Oh dear. You should know by now. Every time you make a bet, it always goes pear-shaped. Oh, absolutely. I, I could bet both teams to win and the draw and something like that. And, oh, disaster. I've had a terrible... I've not. In fact, I was talking about it today to my son. I won some. I won a fair few bets last season, but this season I haven't had one 
single bet come up, and that is just how bad it's got. <laughs> just, just out of curiosity, guys, um, going back to Sunday, if the referee had spotted Costa's hand on Bentelev's face and he'd been sent off, do you think it would have changed the game? Or, you know, more, more, obviously it would have changed the game. I, I mean, changed the game more in Spurs' favour. Do you think we would have uh, done something to capitalise on this? On Possibly, but then if I hadn't been born with a penis, my name would have been Mary. So, you know. <laughs> you know, there you go. Um, well, actually, in fact, it's, it's just his middle name. It's all ifs and buts. <laughs> I personally don't think it would, and for the reason, again, I've, I've said this, it's a personal belief, and it's, you know, I think when, when teams get a player sent off, it's not really the attack that gets affected. It's, oh, sorry, it's not really the defence that gets affected. It's the attack. And at the end of the day, I don't think I don't really think we'd have scored if we'd have played forever. Chelsea are too strong in defence at the end of the day, and that's no criticism of Spurs. I thought Spurs did well. I thought mm. Spurs played as well as I thought they would, and we needed a bit of luck. And I think I alluded to it on a post on Facebook. I think we needed it to go like it did on New Year's Day, in so much that every chance or the majority of chances we had needed to go in, and they didn't at Wembley, unfortunately. You know, you could argue Ericsson could have hit the bar, hit the bar with a free kick. But if we've been really, really honest, Czech had that covered. In fairness, um, <laughs> and I, I, he did, and I, I can't personally remember Czech having to make a difficult save for the rest of the game. You could argue that Costa not being on the pitch would have neg- it would have negated their threat going forward. Mm. But if I'm totally, totally honest, I honestly thought that the longer the game went on, there was only going to be one team scoring first, and it was them. So whether it was Costa or whether it was Drogba would have probably come on or, or whatever. It, who knows? Who knows? It's one of them. I, it, yeah. may, it may have... They it weren't brilliant. I mean, they weren't fantastic, were they, Not Chelsea? They just did what they had to do and they defended really well. That, exactly. That's exactly how I saw it. And that's why, oddly enough, I wasn't... Well, I was disappointed, of course, but I wasn't as madly you know, gutted as I have been in the past because ultimately it was not one of them games where you could look back and think, Spurs could have done this or could have done that. I thought they did as well as they probably could, in all fairness. And yeah. Chelsea are just that more, that bit more experienced. And as I said at the time, I don't mean to be taking this podcast over, by the way, but um, <laughs> I just thought Kale and Terry Shut proved. Up, ben. <laughs> I, I just think Kale and Terry proved what I believe, and that is that they're the best centre half pairing in the league. And much as I hate the fellow as an individual, I think John Terry remains the best centre half in the league, and I think yeah. they proved it at Wembley. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. Let's get away from yeah. that. Let's, let's not talk it, about, it did hurt um, to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on, on the United game, so um, we've said it's going to be open, there's going to be goals. Um, I My prediction is we're going to go there and get a win. Um, United are playing on Monday against the Scum FA Cup tie, um, and we've obviously got a couple of days rest and, and a long you know, a well-deserved rest after lots of back-to-back games. Um, and we play a week Sunday against them. I, I genuinely think we can go there and get a win, as we did last season and the season before. Inci- um, incidentally, I, I, I want United to win on Monday. Because I don't want Arsenal getting bugger all again this no, season. No, of course not. Exactly. I think the boys will really be up to going up to Old Trafford. And I think they'll play their hearts out. I think it'll be a really, really exciting game. Really good game. Lots of attacking. Hopefully, we can kind of like hit them on the hit them on the break, and um, so it'll be a nice, fast um, counter-attacking. That's what I'm hoping for, which we don't get a lot of chance to do against the part of the bus teams. It's odd, isn't it? Ever, ever since that season where we we beat them, we broke the record twenty some twenty odd years without a win 
at uh, Old Trafford, and then we go there. Um, I think it was under Harry, wasn't it? Or something? I can't remember now, but uh-huh. we, got, we got the win, and then it, it's just been a different story. Every time we've been to Old Trafford, we've, we seem to play a better game, I think. Uh, it was under AVB the first time, and then under um, the PE teacher last year. That's right, yeah. Do we not win there under Harry? And, and win? Not under Harry, no. No, no not okay. at all. We famously lost, I think, was it 5-3? We were 2-0 up under Harry. We were 3-0 well, up. 3-0 yeah. up at half-time. Well, I mean, that was, that was if, the day before I got married. If, if, was if it? Gonna, yeah, if in you talk about a 5-3 game, I remember going back 96, I think it was. We were 2-0 up and we ended up losing 5-3. I think it was It might have been 95, I can't remember now. Oh, I can't remember that one. It's definitely... definitely uh, Three and a half at half time. We were singing at half time, having a beer like we like we won the league. That was no. two thousand. That was I think that must have been two thousand two because that was the year I got. That was the night before I got married in Cyprus. Yeah, and then it was my early. Son watched in a pub. Early two thousand. It, it could have been yeah. 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 a disastrous night before and disastrous day the next day as well. Actually, but... I, I know I was, <laughs> I was living up in North Devon at the time, and then I was in a pub with the coaching horses, and they flashed up two 0 I was like, yes, we're actually going to do this. And I asked, you know. Well, fortunately, those days are long behind us. We hope and, so. Uh, um, there's still obviously the, the the excitement of watching Spurs and, and the unpredictability, and they they do put through the mill. But um, it's a lot more. I don't know. If you if you look at it, if even if you take last season, which was a disappointing season, and the season before that, from about 2010 to now. We've always either finished up with a maximum of, say, 70, 72 points and finished top four, mm. which sometimes has or hasn't got us Champions League football, or got 60-odd points and finished fifth or sixth consistently over a uh, five-year period. You know, you contrast that with the 90s and it, <coughs> even the early part of the noughties. Um, they were some shit types as a Spurs fan. Our expectations are different, though, isn't it? Once you get a taste of it, your expectation is, has changed. In the 90s, when I used to go quite a lot, and um, you were just happy with us beating, you know, United or or just, you know, it wasn't, you didn't think that you were, that you were always going to be mid-table kind of mediocrity, weren't you? And mm. a good game and a few drinks in the pub after, you know, with, with a win. And you were happy, you were happy for the whole week. And then, bong, start again the next week and... I don't know. The consistency wasn't there, but a win was bloody brilliant. I remember those days. I mean, I remember the 90s, and you're right, Carol, it was not great to watch at times. Um, but I, I just think the whole game's changed, and the expectations of most clubs have changed in so much that in those days, we, you know, qualifying for the UEFA Cup, as it was then, that was a massive thing. Mm. I remember seeing it on the shelf, standing on the shelf. I mean, I'm talking probably pre 90 to be fair, but standing on the shelf and singing about European tours just because we were going to qualify a sixth-place team and qualify for Europe in the Euro, uh, the UEFA Cup. Mm. But since then, things have moved on. I mean, in those days, you were talking probably, I don't know, maybe eight to ten clubs were realistically with the chance of getting a European place. Now you start the season now, and, you know, for all the positive uh, the positivity around the place, you can pretty much write off the top two places straight away. That's Arsenal and Chelsea. Uh, sorry, Chelsea and Man U. Uh, Christ, Chelsea and Man City. <laughs> nailed yeah. on and then you know it's going to be a shock if more than two out of three of say Liverpool Arsenal Man U are going to take at least one of the other spots I mean the point I'm trying to make is 
the expectation level now it, it, it's it's so it's so much different from what it was in the 90s you, the, Europa, the Europa League now is like a nothing nobody seems to want, or 50% of people don't seem to want to do it whereas it was massive mm. in the 90s yeah and yet I don't know for me it's all about competing where you can try and win something I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I think the expectation has, has changed. We were spoilt that one season with Bale and Modric and Van der Vaar. I think we really were spoilt that year. Because if you look at historically since the Premiership started, Tottenham really haven't. They haven't been serious title contenders, and it's only the last sort of five or six years that we've been anywhere near the top four. Yeah. I think also, unfortunately, that level of expectation. Um, I didn't go to that many games in the nineties. I went to a few, and I went to a few. Um, in the early noughties, but recently, and I've been to quite a lot this year, but the recent last few games, ever, particularly ever since um, we beat the, beat the scum 2-1, the atmosphere's been particularly poor, and I wonder whether that's just because our fans are spoiled, because the expectations are such, so... We only sing when we're winning, it's true. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was awful on, on Wednesday night. Yes, I know it was, it was straight after the cup final, but... It really was poor. And I was in the park lane and normally the atmosphere was really good. Um, yeah, it was. I'd never seen White Hart Lane that quiet. I think Wednesday, everyone was still reeling a bit from Sunday, though, to be, to be fair. Yeah, it's been a shit week, really, hasn't it? It's been uh, yeah. just a quiet week where everyone's just alone with their thoughts, really, I think, as far as football goes. So having two wins now this week is just uh, brilliant. Here we go again. Yeah, better than yeah, morale food. Hopefully, by the time the United game comes round, the, the defeat to Chelsea and Fiorentina will, will be a distant memory. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll, we will have had those two, two wins in between. Um, just before we get to questions, I've got an announcement to make, which I'll make shortly, but also just, just one quick point. Um, so, I was reading an article the other day in the um, London Evening Standard, and it looks, as, it looks at um, the two previous seasons when we finished fourth, 09-010 when we qualified for the Champions League and then 2011-12 when we didn't actually qualify because of... Um, that lot. Chelsea. Yeah, that, that lot, indeed. Um, right, so 2009-2010, yeah. we, we ended the season with 70 points um, and with 10 games to, to go, we had 49 points. Okay, so it was quite a surge in those last 10 games. If you recall, we beat Arsenal and Chelsea and... Uh, we, we picked up a few few points. Um, 2011-12, now this is quite disappointing. So with 10 games left, we had 53 points. So that's four more points than the previous season, the, the, the previous occasion when we finished fourth. Um, we'd had more wins as well. But we only ended up with 69 points. And in fact, that season, um, we were third for, for a long period, of, for, 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 for quite a while. And... Really, for me, it, the biggest shame about that season wasn't the fact that we finished fourth and Chelsea won um, the Champions League. It was the fact that we we didn't capitalise on our third place. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Now this season, okay, with ten games left, we have, if I can read my own writing, fifty points. That's actually one point better off than twenty ten. Um, three points less than we had in twenty twelve. So with ten games left. We could get, you know, around the seventy-point mark. Whether that will be enough for top four, um, I don't know. But it's kind of hypothetical, isn't it? Really, because the other teams above us are in the same position. So you've well, got to, you've got to rely on them losing a few, haven't you? I can say I can we, s- 
we could, we could pull a miracle and win the last 10 games and get the full maximum 30 points. <laughs> oh, if only, if only. Um, I can see United um, slipping up. It's the other two that concern me. Concern me, Arsenal and Liverpool. Arsenal simply by virtue of the fact that they just always do it somehow. Yeah. They they, they do it, and Liverpool, not because they're better than us. I don't think they are, but only because they're on a run at the moment. So we've only got Man City and Man United in that top, in the out of those top teams to play. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, correct. Yes. Okay. Maybe possibly Southampton. Not sure. Yeah. Southampton, Southampton, Southampton away. away. Yeah. yeah. So they're the ones we, they're the boys we've got to beat. <laughs> yeah, Southampton are just below us so now. Yeah. Um, finally. Five um, points. Five points. I haven't looked at the table yet. Um, but we've got winnable games. Well, I'll, I'll tell you now, Karen. We are one point behind Liverpool. Okay, cool. And we no more games in hand now. No. At one, no. I thought one stage we had two games. Only the Chavs have got a game in hand at the moment, I think. Well, okay. and and they're and, and Leicester City. Yeah. Um, right, before we do questions, um, two weeks from now, um, we're playing Leicester City, um, and the last time I checked, the game, all the tickets have been sold out for, for, for that game. However, um, so on, on that particular day, um, quite a few members from the Facebook group are going to meet up um, before the game, probably around about 12 o'clock, maybe earlier, I don't know, um, at the Irish Centre, which is on Pretoria Road. Um, it should be a good get-together. Um, Irish Centre is fairly quiet, generally. It won't be on that occasion. We, we will be taking it over. Um, so if you're, a, if you're a member of the Facebook group, or even if you're not a member of the Facebook group, and you, you happen to listen to this podcast, and I know that there are listeners outside of this, outside of the Facebook group, then please do get along to the game. Um, tickets have sold out, but I won't be surprised if there are returns and so forth. So, um, and if you, even if you can't get, get hold of a ticket, um, come down to the Irish centre and uh, meet fellow if, Spurs fans and, and have a good time. It's not fairly reminded, quiet there. Um, <laughs> it is compared to... Well, it's just, uh, it's so big. And, there are two yeah. bars and it's so big. So it should be I've never actually fun. been in there. In all the years I've been going to Spurs, I've never actually been in there. Like a... Carol, it's a bar on the left, Carol. Yeah, I know. I, I was, was going to say, um, judging by recent posts on Facebook, is the Leicester game, that's with the devil incarnate, isn't it? MJB. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, yeah. My, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people uh, are going anyway, but um, I think it's helped uh, when more people are going. Um, doesn't Andy, somebody, not... I can't remember his surname actually, Andy's. Talker. Yeah, Talker. He's contacted. The club and there's going to be something in the program and it's all very exciting actually. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I just want to make it clear I'm not insulting MGB on air. It's just there was a post with six 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 BJM um, on a number plate. Okay, he's very uh-huh. excited anyway, isn't he? Yes, yeah. I think it's it's going to be. Oh, I don't like I don't like to to to, to say something sloppy like. Oh, the power of social media, but um, it it does, it, you know, it, it is amazing how something like Facebook can and social media can, can bring people together. Um, but it, actually, it's not really. It, 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 it's it's a love for for for, for Tottenham. Um, and, and that, that's... I'm just putting it out there, but I'd like to come to another Spurs game if people want to contribute and buy me a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for an apartment in Barbados. If anybody's listening, yeah, we're all looking for something. Yeah, we'll no, bear that just... in mind, Rob. 
it's a fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic gesture in all fairness, and it's you know it's lovely of people that have donated, so it should be great. Yeah. I just, it's I, a shame that when we meet each other, we'll probably all hate each other, and this whole family group will be closed. <laughs> we might no, just I'm, want to mention it was it was um, Mark Evans that thought of the idea in the first place. So good for him, and also yeah. Joss Joss has kindly um, given a ticket, hasn't he, as well? And someone else has yeah. given him a lift, so all good stuff. Yeah, and if he wants to have sex with my wife, he can do as well. Because <laughs> we're divorced. Does anybody know if John Ray- Rayworth um, is going to be at the event? I don't know. He said possibly, I think. He normally goes to home games, doesn't he? Which are... Yeah. Um, I've met, I've been fortunate enough to meet a few members from the group um, recently, Joss, a few times, in fact, um, and Bex, Rebecca Braddock. Um, Lynette, uh, blah, 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 Lou, Lapin, Nick Field, Rob, of course, good old Rob. Um, <laughs> but the only person that's given me a hug is John Rayworth. <laughs> well, hey, I shook your hand. <laughs> he, he gave me a man hug. Well, hopefully at the lesser game you get lots of hugs. Um, possibly. You probably yes. will know. You've said you haven't had This is any. a failed request for hugs, isn't it, Jarvid? This is a <laughs> failed request for hugs. I think I, th- I don't really do hugs, but I, I just thought I meant mention that that, that, I think that John's the one person John. Jav wants a hug more than, from more than anyone else is Carol because she keeps avoiding him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's I owe you, true. I owe you a big hug. <laughs> it, it's the bar on the left. Okay. How did you? Pa- anyway, um, right. Let's it's, listen. It's, to a, it's, it's one of our regular places to meet before a game, and yeah. we're always in the big bar. And I just I didn't even know there was a smaller bar there, and I've been there hundreds of times. Let's move on to questions. Um, Kev Cousins asks, would you let Hugo go to Real in a swap deal including Bale and giving them £35 million? No. Um, he, per- he personally wouldn't, um, but no. putting it out there. No. No. Um, in a Bale's... word, no. No. Bale, Bale is now damaged goods. I don't think Bale would want to come back here anyway. To be no, honest. exactly. I think if Bale came back to Spurs now, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see him back in a few years' time, although I doubt very much he'll happen. But if he came back now, I think it would be under duress. I don't think he'd really want to, and it makes you wonder if you'd get the absolute 100% Bale that we, we saw, and certainly Madrid have seen for two seasons. Mm. I'd like to see Loris stay for another 25 years, to be fair. He's been brilliant, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Keep Loris and build on the back of the, you know, the foundation yeah. start at the back for me, and that's where you should be building, and he's the best. Yeah, I would, I would love to see Bale back, but but I think what what Guy said summed it up. If he did come back now, it would be under duress. So it just it just, it shows you how much we've kind of like moved on, and I think that says a lot about the way that we've the team now play together. Actually, that anyone else now coming in would almost be like a an an, an intrusion, like an outsider. That's kind of how I feel. Of course, I'd have Bale back in a heartbeat. He's the most fantastic player, but it would only sort of disrupt everything. So I'd, I'm saying no, and I'd rather keep Lloris. Yeah, I'd rather keep the Lloris. You know, it's been a while since we've had a keeper that I've actually loved seeing play like Lloris. Um, I think the last keeper for me was Robinson, to be honest. Yeah, same as me. Mm. Same as Robert. me. Is he still yeah. playing, Robbo? Can't get a game at Blackburn at the minute. Okay. Which is, yeah. I remember once, just a quick guy, was at Wigan a few years back and um, we won, me and my son, he, uh, he would have been about probably 13, 14 and we won, we were right behind the goal and uh, at the end of the game, Robinson turned around and came back towards us and he pointed, we were on the front row and he pointed to Joe 
and walked over and gave Joe his glove, which was fantastic. Oh. But then he started to look to give someone else his glove, and Joe was screaming for the second glove as well. <laughs> and Robert, <laughs> Robert had to say to him, no, no, you can only have one. And Joe was quite put out about that, actually. He thought he was getting a pair. You'll be able In- to wear them. <laughs> incidentally, Guy. Yep. Um, I was watching that Wigan game on a stream on the internet, and the stream was absolutely appalling. And um, my wife was asleep on the sofa at the time, and I turned around to her. While she was half asleep, I said, can I upgrade Sky so I can have the sports so I can watch the Spurs game? And she went, uh-huh. <laughs> 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 you struck while the iron was hot. <laughs> me and You'd have probably seen it. Well, if the screen was bad, you probably wouldn't. But me and Joe were actually vividly on telly when I think it was Robbie Keane scored our first goal and then ran in front of the crowd. And you could clearly see me and Joe on the front row making complete and utter fools of ourselves. <laughs> well, I think you could you could quite clearly read me lip reading and I quote you're the man you're the man as I I was screaming that at Robbie Keane and uh, yeah I had people ringing me up all night saying what a twat you are (laughs) very difficult to deny really when there's photographic camera evidence Um, Paul Ethel asked a win's a win at the end of the day but if we are going to kick on next season we need to identify why we have a total inability to defend against anything that comes in square be it free kick corner or loss or or cross even Um, (laughs) the longer it carries on the easier it will be for Hugo to consider his future discuss to be honest I think I have to agree with that Um, any time it's like he says, though, you know, any cross comes in or free kick or something, and we, we tend to, I don't know, melt away almost and leave it up to Hugo. Panic. We panic. I think you're right, yeah. Although, to be fair, I mean, the, the point, I'd, it's terrible because it almost feels like I'm criticising Hugo, and on the back of what I've just said, I wouldn't do that. But if I think if he's got a weakness, I think it's crosses. And it might be because, you know, as goalkeepers go these days, he's not the biggest. I mean, he's certainly the most agile. His shot stopping is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not doubting his bravery. But I think sometimes when it comes to crosses and, you know, you've got the, the Andy Carrolls of this world and, the, you know, the, the bigs, perhaps perhaps a little bit more physical than the, the European leagues. I think possibly one of Hugo's weaknesses is coming for crosses. And therefore, I know you can't do it against corners, but I'd possibly look at the fullbacks and maybe ask them to stop so many crosses coming in from open play. He's not the tallest of keepers, is he? No, not at all. Not at all. It's very slight. I'm just wondering about his communication with the defence. I kind of don't see a lot of that. None of this shouting at them very much, and you know that sort of being that commanding with them. Don't yeah, know whether they're, they're, they're lacking in that just a little bit. That's, that's why they're, that's they're in disarray. That's because he's screaming out in French and no one understands it. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's screaming, mine! He's come flying out and misses it completely. (laughs) I think the other thing as well, um, I mean, Jan Vertonghen for me is a footballing centre-half. I mean, that's what I'd I'd pick a footballing centre-half over a stopper every day of the week. But I I think that's possibly one of the factors that um, when when Fazio, the much maligned Fazio and Vertonghen, I think it was something like 14, 15 games in a row together or certainly, Uh, you know, there, there was something like 12 wins out of 15, something like that. And for all Fazio's rough diamond faults, and I know he, you know he's made the odd high-profile error on the floor, I think he gives us a commanding thing in the air that we haven't perhaps got without him. Dyer yeah. certainly looks like he's got the, you know, he's got it in him. I, th- I like Dyer. I think Dyer's going to be a top player. Mm. But I think of all the centre halves we've got, I think Fazio. I mean, I'm, I'm ruling Kabul out of that equation because I don't. I think he's gone. I don't include him anymore. But I would say Fazio's the only one who really gets in with an aggressive, ball-winning type of style in the air. Take him out of the equation. 
And I think, yeah, we certainly look a little bit more suspect with high balls coming in. Did he get a little injury? Then he missed a couple of games, didn't he? And then he came back and had a, a nightmare. And then he hasn't figured again, has he? Yeah, he gave, a, he gave a poor goal away in the Europa, didn't he? But like you say, Carol, I don't think he'd played the game before. And I think Dyer had come in and sort of done quite well, kept the shirt, which, you know, you'd argue mm. is probably the right way to go. Uh, Dyer did really well against Arsenal. Um, he, <clears throat> he got one or two opportunities. I can't remember whether, whether it was, uh, as you've just said, injuries or, or just um, potch rotating players. But, but when he came in, he took his opportunity and... I think we've not really looked back since you know, Dyer's managed to hold that place. Um, just get, going back to, 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 to the question, I, I think yeah, it, it's something that we need to address. I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it will have any bearing on, on on Hugo's future at the club. I think as long as we progress and are successful and start to win tro- tro- trophies, and, and hopefully we'll make that push next season, I, I can see Hugo being um, Spurs for a very long time. And by the way, this is. Just my opinion, I actually think that holds true for the rest of um, our star players, Vertonghen, Eriksson, Kane and so forth. I really do think that Poch is building something and for, for, for the future, he's, he's looking ahead. Um, he's already decided or made the case to Levy that we shouldn't be involved in these ridiculous um, end-of-season tours in far-flung places. Um, well, which saying that there's, there's, there is one organised for um, Sydney yeah. Yeah. Sydney but as I understand it's only one game so they're just going there to play one game and come back mm. I hope they're having a bit of a holiday there or something then a relaxing time as well it's a yeah. long way to go for one bloody game yeah um, <laughs> I shan't but... be going to that one <laughs> no I'm just, I, I'm just that, that can we was... just talk about the, the um, just wondering about when they say that you know when a square ball is, is played in or maybe when there's the counter attack and I think and the, you know, and a cross comes in when it's an unorganised, um, you know, ball cut, square ball coming in, so not from a corner. When you know you've got time to get your defence in order, I think sometimes the fact that our our wing backs bomb forward so much, they're kind of not in place. Maybe by the time you know a ball's squared in or a cross comes in, and then sometimes you know that that makes it all a bit mental. I think that's a very good point. And I think, to be honest, it's quite contradictory because um, I've stated already, I'm a, I'm a massive Carl Walker fan. I really like the fella. And I suppose it's a bit hypocritical because I have got uh, reservations about Danny Rose. And yet when you look at the pair of them, I would say they've both got the same attributes. I think yeah. it's fair to say they're both better going forward than they are possibly defending. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right, Carol. And that's what frustrates me. And it's something I've alluded to a couple of times in the past. People like Mason and Bentaleb, who I think are going to be top players, and you know they've had great seasons and they've done really, really well for us. But I think there are times when they give the ball away a little bit cheaply. And if you're Walker or Rose and you've made an overlapping run and the ball is is wasted, exactly. it's it's difficult to get back. You know, you, I mean, I know that especially Walker, they like racehorses, they're very, very quick. But if you're caught 20 yards up the park and the ball's wasted, mm. then it's very difficult to get back and block that cross coming over. And I think. I think that's the root of it, personally. I mean, well, obviously, there's lots of facets to it, but I think certainly the, the fact that Tottenham can be a little bit wasteful with the ball sometimes, and I think that's what leaves us short because we've pushed up so fast. An attacking team cannot afford to give the ball away as cheaply as we do sometimes. And, you know, if that's addressed, and that will come with experience, I would have thought, with them two especially, um, mm. Bentaleb and uh, Mason, then, um, you know, hopefully that's something that can be rectified. Do you, do you think, and in the week that Dave Mackay's passed away, that that we're lacking a ball winner type player in, in midfield? I know we've got Stambouli, 
with his ghoulies, but <laughs> um, but but somebody in the moulds of Mackay or uh, I don't know David Howes, Scott Parker, somebody who can break it up. I think Ben Slope's trying to do that, isn't he? He's very young, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's got the makings. I really do. Yeah. I think he's got yeah. the makings. But you know, as you say, he's a young lad, and um, you know, he's I learning. I can. Yeah, exactly. I compared him recently to, to possibly being our Vieira in the future, simply mm-hmm. because he's got the same sort of physical uh, attributes. He looks strong and fast and powerful. You know, he strides, he ma- he covers the ground quick. But um, I don't, I, I, I'm not so sure that this modern game has got room for an out-and-out defensive midfield player who doesn't give anything else to the game. And I think Bentele has got the makings of a fella who can give us that and give us something going forward as well. And certainly Mason's got potential as well, although of the two, I personally think Bentaleb's probably a little bit a little bit further in front than Mason. I think he's edged it the last few games, actually. Yeah, and I think he's you know he's been to a World Cup as well. He's been to the World Cup and he went he went was it the Nations he went to the African Nations yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's that's probably brought him on as well. Didn't he score a good goal over there? I think he did, didn't he? He did, yeah. I think he did, yeah. yeah. I was going to say I think with Bentaleb, um, yeah, because he he broke into the squad last season, didn't he? Under Tim. Um, so he's, a, he's had a bit more... Yeah, he's had a bit more, hasn't he? You're right. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's had a lot more time out on the pitch where, where Ryan's only come through this season. Um, so they're having, they're having a lot of games together now, though, aren't they? So that can only yeah. be a good thing. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's what Potch does, doesn't it? He, he brings out the, the youth players. He did it at Southampton. And I don't know. It, it's... It's, I think it's a, a fantastic achievement to to, be, to to bring young players through. Yeah. There's, there's not many clubs that do it these days. Talking of young players, and this isn't a question, but a point that I'm going to make. Um, do you think this crop of players is the most exciting crop of players to come through in English football since Fergie's fledglings in the early 90s? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that they're as good as... Beckham, <clears throat> Neville's, Bart's goals, gigs, all of that. It's a little bit early in, to say, isn't it? But in terms, no. But in terms of the, I suppose what I, what I mean is in terms of the emergence of one group of players all coming together at the same time. Let's hope so. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I think it is. I think collectively, you know, there's several players coming through at the same time. I think Tottenham have they've probably had a lack of players that have been produced by their own youth system. I think probably King was the last one, was he? Yeah. But I think yeah, certainly these lads coming through. It's, and the nice thing is, it's not just one or two. It seems to be three or four. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, people have got myself included. If I'm truthful, I've got reservations about Tommy Carroll, for example. But nonetheless, the fella, you know, he's played Premiership football. He's another one of that generation. He's come through. Right. And I'm hearing massive things about the lad Pritchard. Is it at Brentford? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't seen him play, but everybody I've spoke to who, who knows him or seen him play, they've got real high hopes for him as well. So. There's a there's a possibility on that Coulthard as well coming up for, from what I from what I've been hearing on the news recently. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if he's gonna. Well, we'll see. Well, he's been recalled, hasn't he, from from his loan. Hmm. Um, and Potch apparently has plans for him, so that, that could be a good thing. There's certainly quite a few on the conveyor belt, and also if you add to that, I know these are purchases, but if you add to that, Kyle Walker, Dyer. Rose, I think, was a purchase from Leeds United. Was, yeah. These are free English, young English players, which is really nice as well. And and by the way, Bentelab, whilst he's not English at all or British, um, I, I consider him, you know, somebody who's come through the academy, and and I think that that's really good as well. I love yeah. it when we have a, a backbone of of good English players. 
we had it with we had it with um oh god sheringham anderton king there was a whole spine through the field there and it was fantastic during during euro 96 and times like that and it was really great to see lots of Scotland players playing even more recent than that even more recent than that, I mean, I know we got a lot of stick, but there was a time when you got Janice in the midfield, you got uh, people like Redknapp, and I mean, for a while, there was King and Dawson, and then Robinson behind them. And Defoe, you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, that was a bit of a spine, and I must admit, I'm... We I'm went a bit, a bit foreign for a while, didn't we? Yeah, and I mean, the foreign players, I've got nothing against the foreign players, and they're obviously technically very good players, but I just think that British players who have come through the ranks in Britain or England, they're a little bit more used to what's expected of them in the Premiership, which, let's face it, you know the argument about whether it's the best league in Europe is another. Is, that's for another day. But I mean, whether it's the best league or not, it's certainly I would suggest the most physical and possibly the most demanding. Yeah. And I think you've you've got to have a grounding in it to give yourself half a chance if you're coming over as a young mm. kid. And I think that's probably been borne out never never any clearer than with Lamella, who you know he he seems to divide opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think whichever way you come down, everybody's surely got to concede that the fella's got lots and lots of technique. But. It's whether he can come over, you know, he's come from the Italian league and I don't think he's quite adapted to the English way of life and the, or certainly football-wise, the English, um, the Premiership and the hustle and bustle of the Premiership. I think we've got a question on that, haven't we, Jav, further on? Somewhere. Yeah. We do, indeed. I, I, I was going to say, I think Lamella's done uh, a better job this season with Potts because of the, um, I think his, his biggest problem was the language barrier because uh, where Potts has picked up English quite quickly, uh, Lamella's still picking it. You know, he's he, he's still struggling to pick it up on in some cases. Um, so, go on. I was just going to say, sorry, on on Lamella. Um, Oliver Lee asks, what would you do with Lamella or Bobby for that matter to get them back on form? Um, now, apart from the fact that that's probably a whole podcast in itself, just to answer that question, <laughs> we don't we don't have that time. So, um, I was going to say with Bobby, you know. I'd, I'd probably sit him personally. I'd, I'd sit him down and say, right, okay, you had this particular playing style at Valencia. What can we do to help you get that here? I, I'd agree with that. I think that's a decent call, Rob. But the thing, from my, from where I'm looking at it, if he was 21, 22, I would say, yeah, that's possible. You know, it's, that's an option. But much as I love the bloke to bits, and I'd love to see him succeed at Tottenham, I really would. But I think ultimately the fellas, what, 29, 30? I, yeah. I've got this feeling that I, I don't think it's going to work for him at Tottenham. I just don't think it's going to work. And I think he's the sort of player who could go somewhere else. He'll probably end up knocking in 25, 30 goals somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I hope he does, unless it's in England, of course. But <laughs> I just I just wonder if the fella is... I don't know. It's just It looks to me as if it's just not going to happen to him mm-hmm. for whatever reason. A little bit. And I know there's a question involving the two of them later on if we get round to it. But I think it reminds me a little bit of Rebrov. He's a, very, he's a really good player. He's technically very, very good. But it just doesn't quite happen for him in front of goal. And ultimately, you know, you know that psyche of strikers, that if it gets a mental thing and the bloke's lost his confidence, then it makes me wonder if possibly his future lies elsewhere, unfortunately. There was, yeah. a, vid- there was a video posted of his misses. I know we've seen ones before of his goals, but there were so many of these sort of tap-ins. He was just skying over. And I know the stupid videos, you know, you don't take a lot of notice of them, but I couldn't believe how many there were. It really depressed me watching it. Simple tappings. I mean, I'm not saying that all his misses have been tappings because no. they haven't. I think but... personally that, that I think the one against Fiorentina away was. A, I've said it on Facebook. I think it was a pivotal moment for him, only because yeah. he had so much time. It's 
it, uh, you know, whether it was or not, I, I think there's a good chance it was. It's perceived as a massive turning point in that tie because if that puts us a goal up away, then we're in control. But the thing that struck it for me was that's a £27 million striker going through on goal under no pressure from any defenders. He didn't try it. He didn't drop his shoulder. With the option to bloody pass it as well. Well, exactly. And the thing is, he took the option to pass. Now, you know, hey, look, the bloke's an infinitely better footballer than I ever was. But I'm just thinking if I was a £27 million forward with a one-on-one, I'm looking to score that myself. And he just never looked like he, he felt like he was going to score. And I just think that the fact that it was such a pivotal moment, an important moment in the game, you know, psychologically, I'm not saying Pochettino made the decision there and then, right, he's gone. But I just wonder if that was the moment when everybody sort of thought, you know, this is never going to happen for this fella. That one-on-one, actually, thinking about it, um, reminds me a little bit, we came today, we had that one-on-one with Robert Green. And there. Uh, Banged it in the net, you know. It was. Oh it yeah, was, yeah, that was. There was almost he, a similarity. It, it, it was almost better option to pass in today's games, wasn't it? But he's so yeah. confident, he just took it round the keeper and scored. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought of Soldado too, when I saw that goal today. You haven't seen it yeah. yet, guy, but um, no, not yet. It just shows the confidence that he had. It really would have been easier to pass just to his right. I think, you, yeah, you can, I mean, I, like I say... You're right I, about I, mentality. Exactly. I've, I haven't played that level. Of course I haven't. I've played a half-decent level. And it is, it's about mentality. And if you're in a run of things and things are happening for you, you just, you you, you know, you believe you're never going to miss and you want to take things on and you want the responsibility. And by yeah. the same token, when things are not going your way, you know, it just needs to put a shadow, a little, little bit of a flicker of doubt in your mind and all of a sudden you're not doing things that were coming naturally when you were on fire. You know what, to be fair to him, he comes back and he tries and tries. He doesn't look like... A dejected player, not really. You wouldn't totally know agree. from you wouldn't know from the way he's he's performing. Yeah, yeah I, Confid- I agree. Confidence is, is is a key word, and the contrast between a player who's got confidence in Kane, who took that chance today, and one who doesn't is it's just stark. Um, just for the sake of Soldado, who who seems you know comes across as a really nice sort of human being. I just hope hope we move him on for his own sake. I mean, and he goes back to Spain, maybe I don't know. To Valencia or somewhere, and and you know scores 20, 20 odd goals because it's just not going to happen. You just can't you can't see it now with Lamella. So what I'd like to happen with Lamella is so he the first season you know new country, learning the language. Um, he was injured for a fair bit. This is his first full season. Um, he's had you know he's, he's had a quite a few assists. He does tend to give the ball away a bit. He does tend to sometimes run not really look up I would like him and I know he's very simplistic but I would like him in the summer to beef up a bit put on some put some go in the gym work out and uh, just not be so brushed off the ball so easily I think he's a bit lightweight I think that's been said before he needs fattening up a little bit Um... no I'd agree definitely with that I think for me I, it's another one of them when you know I really, I really, really hope the bloke does well because he quite clearly is a top player. We, you know, you don't get sold for thirty million. You don't cut your teeth in Italy or Argentina international unless you're a top player. But I just think that um, sometimes I think he tries too hard. I think he tries to look the part. He's, you know, I mean, I've got, I know I've argued with people on Facebook about this because I don't want to come across as someone who wants to see the back of it because I honestly think he could come good. But I just think he possibly needs to take a step back. Get back to the basics, do what he's good at, you know, provide decent crosses, get shots at goal. I sometimes watch him and, you know, he seems to do these stepovers for the sake of doing stepovers. And, and he tries to beat a man when really he's only got to knock it past him and run him. 
And I just, I mean, again, we're not party to what happens in training, but mm-hmm. I just sometimes think the fella tries a little bit, perhaps too hard, to be that thirty million pound superstar. You know, he's he's normally like surrounded by about three three defenders or you know three uh, opposition. And instead of looking up and thinking, right, I'll pass it now, he thinks he can kind of stroll it through with his fancy feet. But that's exactly how I it see comes it. Off, doesn't, yeah. It doesn't come off enough, does it? That's exactly so how I see look it. Look up, look the fuck up and see. And <laughs> he needs to make decisions. So I think he needs, he needs a bit of coaxing on the way he reads the game, possibly, because I don't think he's quite got that. No, I agree. He's certainly young enough to, to still learn a bit more, isn't he? He is, yeah. So, um, talking of strikers, Andy Scoggins asks, knowing what you know, and you must have one in your first team starting, who would you have? Soldado, Rebrov, or Pavlichenko? Well, I have to say, from from my point of view, Pav. Good old Pav. (laughs) I loved Pav. I loved him too. Oh, I totally agree, Rob. I totally agree. But we've all gone for Pav. For nothing more than the fact that the bloke scored goals, I thought, as I said earlier, I thought Reb, I think Rebrov and um, Soldado are very similar type of players in so much. They're mm. technically very, very gifted. They can probably bring more players in than Pavlichenko ever could. But at the end of the day, Pavlichenko scored goals, and at the end, you know, that's if you're sticking a striker in there, ultimately, no matter what he brings to the game, that's what you want. You need goals from him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be Pav, and, and and there was a period of time in that 09-010 season when, when we finished fourth and qualified for Champions League. Midway through that season, I think uh, that was a season when Modric picked up an injury fairly early on, and then he returned in the middle of the season. And around about that time, there was a game against Wigan away. Pavlenko came in. I think he scored two goals, one-two-one, and round about the same time. He was getting a run out, and he he was scoring goals. Um, and unfortunately, I just wish. I think if 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 Harry had persevered with him a bit more, I think he would have. Um... He pissed Harry off, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. For some reason. The, the perception seemed to be that he wasn't making too much effort off the field. I mean, again, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I remember hearing somewhere that he'd been he'd been at Tottenham for something like eighteen months and still couldn't speak English. Um, and I think the the perception was that. You know, he was happy to go and play football, but possibly didn't want to put too much effort in getting to to live the way of life and that sort of thing. And, I, you know, you yeah. can argue maybe another manager would have put their arm around him and told him he was the best thing in the entire world and perhaps got the best out of him. But then at the same time, from a management point of view, if you're in the, you know, you're in the, the, the dressing room before the game and you've still got a bleeding interpreter trying to tell him what he's supposed to be doing, I would imagine that was frustrating as well. So, yeah, it's I, one I of them. We, I think we had a lot of strikers around that time as well, didn't we? We had um, Crouch, Keane... Yeah. And he was quite often behind in the pecking order, wasn't he? Imagine being a fourth striker. Perhaps he didn't want to. You know, perhaps that pissed him off a little bit. Yeah, look how ironic is that? We had four strikers of that calibre there. And now mm. we've got, you know, we're struggling for a striker all the way around who can hit the net. <laughs> he was strong though, wasn't he? Strong and he scored a lot of headers. And he had kind of good balance for a, a tall a tall chap. Yeah, I good thought. player. Good player. Yeah. Oh, so, so, I so wanted to answer it, Soldado, but yeah, can't. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Gritted teeth, but there you are. You should have had Nikki on the pod. She would have gone for Soldado. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she would have. Um, so, Liam Hennessy asks, what's the most you've paid for a ticket? Oh, God. Well, being the fact that I've only been to one Spurs game, £48. <laughs> Oh god, it's got to be one of the cup finals, I suppose. When you, if you want a good ticket at Wembley, you go a bit further, I suppose. But I don't know, seventy, this, eighty quid. 
Does this include England games or just Tottenham? Just, um, it doesn't specify. So, I yeah. paid £330 for a World Cup quarter-final ticket in '98. We bought it way in advance, as you had to in them days. A good friend of mine, he's a professional golfer, he's a good friend of mine, he, ticked, he picked some tickets up for us. And if England had progressed, they would have ended up almost certainly in that particular World Cup quarter-final, but they didn't. So I ended up paying 330 quid for a Italy-France quarter-final at the Stade de France, which was fantastic. Wow. But um, my sad story would be, um, you have to correct me on this, I'm, was it 2009 when we got beat by Manu in the League Cup final? Indeed, yeah. yeah, well, me and my son went out on an all-night party. He was only 18 at the time, so I'd been a good dad. I showed him the ropes and took him out all night the night before. And then we drove to Wembley at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I remember saying to him, listen, we hadn't got tickets. So I remember saying to him, listen, what do you want to pay? What's the maximum you'll pay outside? And I thought he'd say about a one and he said 250 quid. I thought, fair play, that's what I'll do. We found a town with a particularly unnerving Scouse accent. Um <laughs> we asked him how much he wanted for the tickets and when he said £250 each me in my uh, sleepless stupor thought wow that's got to be fate and I said yes sir I'll take that if you don't mind and he duly took our £500 off us for two tickets which um, when we queued up to get in we were promptly told that they were forgeries oh, so Jesus. I paid £250 for my ticket and my son paid £250 for his and we ended up watching it in a pub near Wembley that incidentally wouldn't let any Tottenham fans in because it was a Manchester United pub, but we blagged our way in anyway, so, yeah. Bloody hell. Not the greatest day in the world. Awful. Yeah, 250 quid for forged tickets. (laughs) Was this a question? That's terrible. Is this a question where you paid when you paid a lot for tickets but didn't actually see the game wasn't that one? Oh no 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 that's that, that's so um, well that moves us on nicely to, to John Rayworth's question who asks what's the furthest you've gone to an, to an away game without actually making it to the game so for the record his was Holland for the FC20 game in the Champions League a few years ago um, I have got one but it's unfortunately it's not Tottenham related I went with my husband to See, live. It's not very far away. Even it's only bloody Anfield. But <laughs> I haven't been to see uh, abroad to see Tottenham play, unfortunately. But we went up to Liverpool to watch Liverpool derby, and we had a weekend in Blackpool with quite a few of us. And then on the way down to the An- to Anfield the next day, we were hung over. God knows, I don't we hardly had any sleep. But uh, the car broke down, and we didn't actually get to the game at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> so the whole uh, the whole weekend cost us a lot of money, but that that was worth it. Had your car broke down before you got to Blackpool, Carol, that would have been a result. Yeah, I suppose it would. <laughs> <laughs> so that's mine. Not very exciting. Sorry. I went to uh, I went to Leverkusen once without a ticket, but managed to get in on a forged ticket. I don't know if that was, it wasn't actually a match ticket, but it was a forgery. That was a that was quite fun. There was three to a seat when we got in. It was quite fun. Lancashire <laughs> Dave, fella called Lancashire Dave. A shout out to Lancashire Dave. He sold me my LaForge ticket. God. If, if it's if it's a ticket not just for a sporting event but like music events as well, then probably Metallica was my expensive ticket. But what I'm not did you see then? Um, well, I saw them 2004, no, 2003. I saw them at the Reading Festival and then Earl's Court for the Christmas show. Okay, sorry, I thought it was maybe abroad or something. No. Okay. And then uh, the London O2 in 2008 for the release party of uh, Death Magnetic. Well, that was awesome, that was. Mind you, poor you, you, I mean, you live at the end of England, don't you? The edge of the world. Yeah, anywhere's, the anywhere's far for you to come up. This is the ass end of the country, isn't it? Well, it, it could be worse, it could be Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> 
the mental image I'd got of you, Rob, which was, you know, was quite flattering. It's now the hair has just grown seven foot. Now you've told me you're a Metallica fan. I now got you with a big long hair. Banging your head. <laughs> I've got quite short hair actually, guys. Yeah, despite. Don't being... ruin the image. Don't ruin the image. You've got big metal studs on your leather jacket and all sorts in the mental image I've got at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> big, big, big metal head, short hair. Um, quite a big bloke though. You know, so. Don't brag. Stop that. <laughs> oh, six foot four and some twenty something stone. I don't think I've actually gone to an away game or any event and not uh, and, and missed the event, so to speak. So you're so organised. I'm that doesn't I surprise me. You get everywhere about an hour before you should get. I bet. <laughs> I don't miss. I always come. Um, <laughs> hey. Um, right. We've got still quite a few questions, but um, we're not obviously get we get through all of them. So last couple questions uh, Brian Campbell I don't know if I should read this one or who's going to want to answer it Brian Campbell asks Spliff or Bong what's your preference oh dear Guy would you like to answer <laughs> this question well first and foremost I would have to say that I've never used either properly because it's quite simply I can't smoke I'm no good at inhaling so I'm useless at that but I do remember a time when I've never used a Bong by the way so I'd have to say Spliff but if you don't mind me just related a quick story, I played at a cup final many, many, many years back on an Easter Monday. Uh, we won it, and it was a it was a big cup final as well, to be fair, only amateur level. We went back to the club afterwards, and we were having a celebratory drink, um, and a mate of mine, we, a mate of mine said, yeah, nip outside here. So we went outside, and he give, he passed the joint round. And I was basically, I took a drag of it, and I couldn't inhale it or anything. So he basically, I don't know how he did it now, I think he held my nose and forced me to inhale it, and it really hit me big time. And the, the horrible, terrible, tragic thing was, because it's not a particularly nice story in many respects, but another, <laughs> a fella I'd worked with and hadn't seen him for about 12 months, he'd had to stop work because he was actually suffering from a quite serious disease. Um, and I hadn't seen him for 12 months. And he happened to walk out of the club as I'd just inhaled this massive spliff. And I said, well, Jimmy, how are you, pal? You're right, mate. And he went, well, yeah, Christ, Jinxie, yeah, I'm all right, mate. You know, I've had all the treatment and all that, and I'm okay now. You know, it's touch and go at one point. I was at death's door. And I just started laughing at him. <laughs> and he looked at me so gone out and it was quite incredible because my mind was telling me oh this is a terrible story but I just could not stop laughing <laughs> and it, the more he told me about the treatment he'd received and the terrible you know, the, um, the terrible effects it had had on him and all the rest of it I just trying to stifle a laugh and it was yeah it was possibly the most embarrassing moment of my life up to that point in the yeah. end he looked at me shook his head and walked away oh no but yeah I've, I've kind of steered, <laughs> steered clear of that sort of thing since although have you ever I been think. able to tell him the story? No, well, I actually ended up... He, he came back to work about six months later and we never touched on it again, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I, I think he just... He, I, I voted him as the most lucky fella on the earth and he voted me as the most horrible, unsympathetic bastard he'd ever met. I think that was about <laughs> the way it went. Well, let, let's just hope, Guy, that he listens to this pod and thinks, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> to him and that. So he was laughing at me then, the bastard, yeah. <laughs> Um, I had to look up a bong because um, I didn't quite know what one looked like. Rubbish. I swear Rubbish. to God, I did. You ain't supposed to look up them, Carl. You're supposed to smoke out of them, aren't you? <laughs> there a lot of sort of? They look a bit wet. There's all sort of water and stuff involved, and boiling and bubbling and shit. Oh my God, not right. That's what it looked like. Sort of you look, you've looked up kettle. <laughs> yeah. 
It kind of looked like one of those, a long kettle. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'd have I'd stick to a spliff, which I haven't done in many years, but um, we'll never say no. Oh, <laughs> oh, controversial. Spliff before bong. Um, for legal reasons, we don't advocate the use of brownies. Absolutely no. not. Being that I don't smoke, um, chocolate brownies. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Um, final question. Kent Goodrich asks, would you rather have legs as long as your fingers or fingers as long as your legs? Oh, wow. Do you mind me t- checking that one up for a moment? Because that actually links yeah, in. That actually it. links into the previous question for myself because... Believe it or not, I'd got another cup final coming up. No, it was a semi-final. I beg, a lot. I beg your pardon. Semi-final on a Sunday morning. I was out on the Saturday morning, the day before, thinking to myself, I'll just have a couple of pints just to chill me out. I'll be home by 12 o'clock. I got um, talking to a good friend of mine who sort of dabbled a little bit. Uh, we ended up having more than two pints, in all fairness. It got to about five o'clock at night, and I remember him producing this, what I didn't know what it was at the time. It turns out it was a lump of resin, which you're supposed to crumble and put into a joint. And I remember saying to him, oh, I don't smoke, mate. It won't have any effect on me. So he says, well, I'll have a bite of it then. So I took it off him and <laughs> promptly put it in my mouth and chewed it, at which point he hit the roof saying, you are, oh, you, you effing, that's supposed, that's a week's worth. You just ate a week's worth in one go. <laughs> I didn't think too much of it, so I just chewed it and carried on drinking, to be fair, which was fine, and I didn't feel any ill effects. And this is a gospel truth story, by the way. So I got home at whatever time, went to bed, and I set my clock for half past nine the next morning because the semi-final was due to cook up at 12. My alarm went off. I, you know, gingerly opened my eyes, expecting a hangover, and I was surprised to feel relatively fresh until I opened my eyes fully and noticed that the room was spinning at upwards of about 250 miles an hour. But somewhat more unnerving was the fact that my arms had grown to 25 foot long. <laughs> so I closed my eyes really quickly, thinking, whoa, 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 that's a mistake. And as soon as I closed my eyes, everything seemed quite cool and quite smart and free. And I thought, oh, okay, no problem. I opened my eyes again, and sure enough, there they were, 25 feet long arms. And Basically, I started panicking because obviously it's quite unnerving to realise that your arms are 25 feet long. Oh, God. My wife at the time said, I'll, you know, what are you doing? I'll, count, I'll phone the doctor, which I told her not to. I didn't really want a doctor involved. But to cut a long story short, I had to lie in bed for the next six or seven hours because every time I opened my eyes, all I could see was 25 foot long arms in front of me. <laughs> I couldn't pos- I went to the toilet and crossing the landing, which was about three yards, took me 15 minutes because... <laughs> negotiating it with 25 foot long arms is you know it can be quite difficult um yeah i missed the semi-final didn't get my place back for the final either um so yeah that's that's, that's funny. a combined just, story of why i don't touch spliffs or any kind of resin anymore just is that, that, is that not what happened on the in-betweeners or something when it, he ate it i, I think it true, i think yeah, it was something yeah. about his arms as well wasn't it well, it must be a thing with resin then, because I yeah, tell you what, as, as God is my witness, it, it was... I know, the thing is, it's quite unnerving, because the next day, when my head was clear, I obviously knew my arms when it were 25 foot long. I mean, I knew that much, but opening them and seeing them growing and just extending the length of the room and more, it was, whoa, it was pretty unnerving <laughs> stuff, to be fair. I've got to ask this question. I have this unnerving <laughs> urge to ask this question. If your arms felt like they were 25 <laughs> off, how long did your pecker feel when you went to Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was waiting for that one. I, I, that's the only bastard thing about it. It affects all the wrong parts, doesn't it? I love <laughs> that. There's one of those Confucius things. Confucius say, man with big hands... No, man with small hands make plick look big or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, all I got was man with long arms makes toilet look a long way around the landing. That was basically <laughs> all I got. Well, I hate to say it, Carol, but I must be buggered because I've got big hands and a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, the thought of someone 
going around with sort of fingers for legs is horrible. So I'm going to go with the the other way around. Like I guess like Guy had big long arms with short fingers. Is that right? I'm sure there was advantage to the long arms. So yeah, if I'd if I'd sat long enough and used them, I'll, I'll go with that as well. I think Kent might have been stoned when he posted that question. <laughs> I think that's. I think he's stoned everywhere. Judging by some of his questions, but but I do I do love his questions and uh, they shall forever be read every week. Um, we've got lots of other questions to go through, but unfortunately not enough time to go through them. So um, unless anybody's got anything else to say, uh, no, not really. I look forward to seeing those who are there on, at the Leicester game. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got to go because my wife's giving me chip. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Rob. Thank you again, Carol, and thank you, Guy, for making your debut. No thank problem you. at all. Thanks for asking me, and nice to speak to you all. Yeah. No you worries. too. The future's bright. The future's lily white. Good night. Oh.